more finished than he wanted to believe. The act of burning seemed too final, too suggestive of a conclusion he was unable to face. In the three years that have gone by since then, the crates have stayed there, and now in the steady rain they have the look of permanence. The stack of them, monolithic and at ease, an indelible feature of the casual back view of the town. At the rear of the lot, built sidelong to the fence, is the small carpenter shop of Ernest Finley. Black coal smoke comes from its chimney, twisted off the bricks by the wind and driven to the ground, turning delicately amber as it thins. The carpenter's pickup truck is parked in front of the door, and through the afternoon the men at the card game have heard the measured sounds of his hammering and sawing. Beyond the shop, a broad pasture swags down to a creek branch and tilts up again, gently, to the top of a long ridge. A flock of sheep, heads down against the rain, straggles toward the barn at the top of the ridge for the night feeding. Beyond the ridge is the opening of the river valley. The light is still strong in the room. The card faces turned up on the hacked surface of the meat block are still white and exact. Outside the windows the gutter drips, also exact, as steady and half-heard as a clock ticking. The sounds of voices and automobile engines out on the street reach back to the room only occasionally and faintly. The smoke from Matt Feltner's cigar, which he has balanced fire-end out on the edge of the block, rises in a straight, thin shaft a yard high, then scrolls out beneath the ceiling, clouding bluely down again into the light at the tops of the windows. Matt taps the fingers of his left hand against the seat of his chair, repeating the same rhythm half a dozen times, and then stops. The nervous rapidity of the sound seems to him to have communicated his uneasiness, and he glances at Frank Lathrop and then at Jaber Crow and old Jack Beecham to see if they might have noticed. But they are occupied with their cards. He hooks his thumb into his belt, He sits with his feet drawn back to the sides of his chair, his hat pushed back off his forehead. He is a fairly big man, and although his hair is white, his body is still solidly composed, without excess or diminishment. The whiteness of his hair emphasizes the prominence of his features, the green of his clear eyes. Except for a slackening in the flesh of his cheeks, his face has retained its angularity and firmness. It is a flexible, expressive face deeply lined around the mouth and eyes, so that now in its apparent calm it seems near to both humor and sorrow. So far only his hand has betrayed him. It is his turn to play. He draws from the deck and looks down to study his cards, his metal-rimmed reading glasses set a little low on his nose. He discards and leans back, taking up the cigar again. Nobody else moves. Jaber? It's your play, ain't it? Frank Lathrop says finally. Let a man think. Hell, old Jack Beecham says. A mule could have thought by now. Jaber plays. They play out the hand and Frank Lathrop gathers the cards and shuffles and deals. Matt arranges his cards and tilts his chair back against the desk. He and Frank and Jaber wait quietly, watching old Jack. The old man holds the cards clumsily in his huge hands, fumbling them from one semblance of order to another with the forceful, deliberate movements of a man laying bricks.
a man building a spindling, unwieldy tower of bricks that constantly requires the addition of one more brick to balance it upright. The ear flaps of his corduroy cap have come untied. They flail out at warped angles from the sides of his head, dangling their strings like the wings of some disgruntled bird. He reaches out, turning his cards face down against the block, and looks aggressively at the others as though to answer an insult. "'Your turn, old mule,' Jaber Crow says. He grins as he speaks, but speaks with a patience that amounts almost to gentleness. Old Jack draws a card from the deck, stares at it, deciphers the message, and swats the meat block with it. He rolls his chew of tobacco over his tongue into the opposite jaw and clamps it there, and turns away, aloof and silent. The movement abruptly repudiates his involvement in the game, dismisses his opponents and the game itself as fighting.